welcome back to Memoirs. I'm Yeji. And I'm Jenny. And we are going to be starting a brand new series today. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to get into Memoments. Jenny, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, mine's not a huge meh, but as you all know, I have picked up uh, Pickleball as Ooh, a yes. pastime. Yeah, it's actually really fun. And I totally get the craze why everyone is like about it because it's great. And I feel like all the millennials are super into it right now. Oh, yeah. On the courts, yeah. millennials and perhaps a lot of boomers as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I'm really into it. I play with one of my friends here. She's really into it too. Um, the unintended consequence of playing pickleball, though, have been some injuries. Oh, yeah. So I had my first pickleball injury, but it, it was, it's not anything bad or crazy, but, um, I basically got a pretty gnarly bruise on my thumb knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did I even do that? Don't ask me. I think there was a ball like coming straight at me and I couldn't get my paddle there fast enough. So I blocked it with my hand. Nice. Yeah. I, who knew pickleball was such a dangerous sport? Dude. And I just saw recently a post that said pickleball injuries are on the rise. Oh my. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's – stay safe, everyone yeah. out there. Who's pickleball? Yeah, I data points on this. <laughs> I know. But that's my memo. Wait, what about yours? Oh, are you going to be joining, like, a league anytime soon? Uh, we would love to. I think we actually do want to enter in some, like, local tournaments. So we'll see where we go. There are so many. Like, I was looking it up. There's so many all over the place. But you do need to have – um, what they call, I don't know if I'm saying this right, your DUPR score. DUPR, okay. Yeah. So it's sort of like your golf handicap, but you need like your, I don't know, I think, I think they say DUPR, but anyway, you need like that score to enter, your rating basically to enter into tournaments. And we don't quite have that yet, but we've been playing oh. some pickup games at the local community center. Wow. That's like serious business trying to get into a league. Uh, yeah. Um, but the pickup games that we play, I'm going to say most of the people that we play are older, <laughs> but oh my gosh, they are so fire. Oh yeah. No, they're intense. They yeah, have don't their underestimate. Faces on. Oh no. And we're like huffing and puffing yeah. and like, and my friend was a former tennis player. So she's, you know, she's good. Uh, but we're just like, they, they just play so strategically and very and smart. Also, they have so much time. Like this is they what do. they're spending their time doing is pickleball i mean honestly that's me so i have no excuses <laughs> i need to just start playing five times a week <laughs> okay, um, let us know once you enter that league and what your team name is oh yes i'll let you wait did you say let us know yeah yes, let us i'll know. let you guys know <laughs> okay, um, okay so i'll get into my mem moment mem moment wow can't talk today mem moment today um it's actually something that's been kind of going on for about a year and it finally culminated I guess to this past week of um, the actual memo moment I applied for global entry exactly a year ago and uh, Stuart my husband he got conditionally approved almost immediately when we applied mm. last year uh -huh. mine was taking forever I think 11 months had passed and I was like, what is the deal? Why am I yeah. not being conditionally what's, approved? What's the red flag yet? Right, I know. And so then I went to go check what I filled out in my application and I realized that I wrote that I was born in North Korea. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh okay, so this this is gonna make me sound really stupid, but honestly, I don't care. Um, I swear it was a trick question when I was filling oh. out the application. <laughs> oh no! Because when it asked me where I was born, it didn't say North versus South Korea. It said Democratic People's Republic of Korea. And then uh, the other option was Republic of Korea. <laughs> okay, so tell me between the two, which <laughs> one you think is South Korea? Okay, so I'm guessing you thought Democratic one was South Korea, but it's yes. actually North. Yes. So, like, I chose mm. Democratic People's Republic in my head. I'm like, oh, Democratic democracy. Yeah. That's yeah. North Korea. <laughs> um, so, yeah, turns out that's actually North Korea. <laughs> and. I don't know why I didn't just Google it to confirm at the moment. I think I was just being super lazy. And anyways, I'm pretty sure that's why it took so long for me to get conditionally approved. No, I bet that is. Yeah, it finally happened last month. Uh And so then I was able to grab an interview spot for February. Yeah. And so I went last Thursday to the airport after meandering around because I was lost. Um at the airport for like 30 minutes this guy he saw me and he was like you look very lost let me help you <laughs> and I was oh like okay gosh. thank you <laughs> and he he like so he was so kind he escorted me all the way to the office even though it was at the complete opposite end of the airport oh. and I get to the office to check in and they tell me that I don't have an appointment and so I checked my, yeah I checked my calendar and then I realized oh my appointment was two days ago uh, <gasps> No. So yeah, this is you guys are currently getting a peek into the hot mess that is my brain. Uh, <laughs> and luckily, I was able to reschedule for the week after, which was today. I right before this podcast, I actually went and interviewed. Everything went well. I had to explain to the officer that I'm actually not a North Korean defector. Um, <laughs> and so we'll see if I get the final approval and I get global entry. Um, yeah, that is my meh moment of the week slash year. Oh my gosh. But they didn't let you go back to change your application. They okay, so yeah, they don't let you change your application once you submit it. You oh. have to wait until the interview to make any updates. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. It's a maddening process. It's so archaic. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Okay. Well, I'm glad it was sorted out and hopefully you're on smooth path to global entry yep, fingers crossed that yeah one of my records turn up from oh. <laughs> <laughs> my anger management driving school we'll get into that okay. another time <laughs> uh, but okay this is actually a great transition into today's topic but before we get there so the last two weeks we talked about personality tests we did the two most popular ones the mbti and enneagrams mm-hmm. we shared a little bit about what we were, um, the people that we feel most compatible with. Uh, we dive deep into talking about being in a healthy state versus a stressful state. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we are going to start a new series and it's a very big series. I feel like mm-hmm. as in, it's very weighty and there's lots of topics that we can cover under it. So we we're only going to do three episodes on it. So just don't, think that we're going to talk about everything under the sun, but we kind of wanted to at least talk about a few of the topics that are interesting, hopefully to all of you guys out there. Um, But it's our Asian American series, which is obviously very relevant to us because we're both Asian American. Mm -hmm. Today, we'll 
spend a little time just sharing our backgrounds, how we grew up, where we grew up, um, what it was like, and then maybe touch on some sensitive topics potentially, but we'll also share a little bit about um, like any norms that we practice, that we practiced or traditions that our families had, or even any weird or strange superstitions yes. that we still practice today. Um, but with that being said, let's start off with our background yet. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about where did you grow up? What was the community like? Demographics, mm -hmm. any of that, any details that you yeah. can throw in. Before I get into all that, I just want to say happy Lunar New Year. I know yes. we're a, a few days late from it, yes. but mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, in Korean, we call it Seollal, mm -hmm. um, but what what about in Taiwan? I think we just, what do we, I think we just say happy New Year, like, Xinyanguayla. Yeah, cute. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was like, wait, do we call it something? I don't know, <laughs> shoot. Um but okay, so Koreans do celebrate Lunar New Year. We do, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Nice. Um, okay, so yeah, let me, I'll just kind of go into my background a little bit. Uh, I, I think I mentioned it in probably the first episode as well. And as well as just now in my mem moment, I was born in Seoul, <laughs> South Korea, not North Korea. And I immigrated to the US, specifically Seattle, when I was three ish with my family. And we, weren't meant to stay here for very long. Uh, we actually moved here because my dad became paralyzed suddenly uh, from a brain tumor. Oh, and gosh. he was bedridden for about two years. So we were kind of forced to come to the U.S. Um, to take care of him. Of course, we're going to take care of him. But mm -hmm. we ended up just kind of never leaving. We we're just like, all right, well, the whole family's here. Mm -hmm. let's, Wait, just, was the let's just make a new life and a new adventure out of it. Yeah. Wait, was the plan supposed to go back to Korea? I assume, I assume so because oh. the plan was for my my dad had came to the U.S. on his own right after I had been born. So wow, I know. I was like, Dad, timing wise, that was not a good <laughs> idea. How could you leave mom like mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. a kid on her own? Mm -hmm. um, he yeah came to the U.S. because he felt like he needed to pursue a college degree in hotel management mm. and complete it come back to Korea to have a stronger resume uh for his his job mm -hmm. and so when he was here in the U.S. he got the brain tumor got paralyzed and that's when my family and you know everybody we all just came over here mm -hmm. so that wasn't the original plan but um it happened and we primarily grew up in the Mokotio area which is a very small town up north of Seattle, if you're not familiar with it. Um, and I don't blame you if you don't know it. It's very small. <laughs> I think the population around that time, I looked it up, was around 15,000 people. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it was one of those towns where everybody knew each other. And there's literally nothing to do except, you know, play at like a nearby pond catching frogs or <laughs> go hang out at the parking lot in front of QFC with your friends until 2 a.m. <laughs> because <laughs> nothing is open. Mm -hmm. um, and then demographics wise, I looked this up as well for the year 2000. It was 82% white. Oh, wow. 10% Asian, which is actually a fairly good chunk. And then the rest of the 8% was like a random mix of other ethnic groups. So I just remember feeling very much like the ugly duck duckling growing up. 
Mm. And I think it's because I was constantly comparing myself to all of the popular like white girls at my school, as well as like all the beautiful like white people I was seeing in media uh, mm-hmm. as a kid. And when it also came to my education, like I always kind of felt like I was being compared to the smartest like Asian kids at school when oh. I was very much like middle of the road in terms of my intellect, <laughs> very uh. average grades. <sighs> um but yeah, what about what about you, Jenny? Wow. Wait, sorry, one question. Yeah. When you said 10% Asian, did they break it down by um what kind of Asian? What they, was it mostly Korean? No, it just said Asian. Ooh, which okay. because I feel like at the time back then they were just like, oh, y'all are the same. Yeah. Lump them into one category. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I have so many other questions that I want to ask about you, but I'll share a little bit about mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, so sorry. One, one, just one more question. Yeah. So where did you go for like Asian food? Well, um, we mainly made it at home. My grandma, she did all the cooking and then there was like a couple restaurants in the Linwood area, which is like just 10 minutes outside of Mukilteo. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the area that we grew up in actually had a pretty big Korean community, I would say. Okay. Uh, so we had access, yeah, to good, decent Korean food. It's not okay. like L.A. K-Town food. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. Okay, gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, so I was born in Southern California, Torrance specifically, but we actually all moved back to Taiwan when I was eight months old and pretty much stayed there for about 10 years. And then I moved back to Orange County, California, which is where I reside now and my family still is here. Um, and so when I when we came back to the OC, I was like, I think in the third or fourth grade. Mm. Yeah, it was like middle of the school year, which yeah. I was like, wow, parents, we could have at least let me finish the school year before making me move in the middle. That's a pretty stark transition for a kid. It was a very stark transition. Um, But I went to an international school in Taiwan, so I knew how to speak English. And also, even though we lived in Taiwan, we still came over like every summer, I want to say, for at least a month to do like some sort of summer camp and also just get exposure to English because I think – the plan was always to move to the States at some point, just mm-hmm. wasn't sure when. Um, but we ended up doing it after like 10 years. Moved to Orange County, Southern Orange County, and the demographics. I didn't quite look it up like you did. Although I'm looking at my phone right now, just really quickly Googling. Mm-hmm. And the, old, the most recent data I could find was from 2010. And I live there like in the 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. but it's 68% white mm-hmm. and 12% Asian. Okay. So That's I want to say, similar. yeah, I, but I want to say it was probably even more white back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think now there are more Asians because guess what, guys? We're multiplying. We're taking over. World We're domination. Uh, but yeah, I felt very white. I don't even think I, in middle school and elementary school, I feel like I knew like one other Asian kid and that was it. It was me. And then one other girl who I was, didn't even, I was only in one class with her. Mm -hmm. 
And then definitely feel like the minority did not have good Asian food anywhere nearby. No Asian grocery store. We would drive. We would have to drive 45 minutes That's to surprising. go to. I know. I know, right? It was like back, back in the day. Yeah. We would have to drive 45 minutes to go to like an Asian market. And then obviously a lot of, I mean, there was like one Chinese restaurant that we actually went to a lot, but it was a little bit of the Americanized version. And then there was like one pho restaurant. So we always went to those two. Yeah, pho is a staple. That's Pho the cornerstone is a staple. Yes. of Asian food. And back then pho was <laughs> like $4.95 yes. per bowl. And it usually came with a cream puff. If you went to Pho Tan Brothers. <gasps> yes. 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 Um, but that was like, that was sort of my experience. Yeah. I, I do have a question for you because Yeah. you said you lived in Taiwan for pretty much 10 years. Mm -hmm. That's like a chunk of time. I know. Looking back, do you think you would change anything about that? Do you wish you stayed in California or are you glad you had that 10 years in Taiwan and then moved back here? Oh yeah. Great question. So I am so appreciative of the 10 years that I did spend there. And I think that's also why I love going back and I feel very connected to my roots. Although that came like very much later in my life. I didn't realize it then. Um, but I also feel like living there also brought me like so much more like awareness of people who are multicultural or people who are not from here and just like developed empathy for them. I mean, we could talk more about this too, but we basically, I mean, my parents weren't native English speakers. My mom was actually, she actually went to, uh, she got her college degree in English. So she was pretty fluent, but it's still not her native tongue. And so, you know, by definition, we sort of became their official translators, you know, handling all their tax documents, Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. and all of that stuff. But I feel like just living though abroad kind of brought me this awareness that uh, of a different culture that I really appreciate now. And I don't think it would be, well, actually, I don't know. I don't know if I would be as connected if I didn't have that opportunity. And even now, after we moved here, we still visit Taiwan at least once a year. We try to. I feel like even if you didn't have the 10 years there, you would still be repping Taiwan real hard like you do now. I mean, I gotta, I just have <laughs> to. It's my tiny little sweet potato island. it is a little sweet potato. It's so cute. I know. But to go back to your question, though, I always wondered, yeah, it was like, obviously, we didn't really have a say in whether we wanted to move. And, you know, our parents were like, no, America, land of opportunity, get a good education, great job, all this stuff, which I think, I don't know who fed them that propaganda, but... God, we all fell Um, for it. Yeah, I mean, right, like all of all of us who have immigrant parents came and I, I think in many ways, yes, maybe we had a lot more opportunities that maybe we wouldn't have. But I also would say like, a, a lot of East Asian countries in particular are so advanced now. I mean, in some ways, I feel like they're way more advanced than even here. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And so many things are like more accessible and convenient. Yes, yes, that I agree with. Um, so sometimes I think back, I'm like, so should we just have stayed? in Taiwan should we I mean I don't who knows there's we'll never know which was the right move but Mm -hmm. yeah that's yeah such a gray area for me because mm -hmm. I, I do think about that all the time like what if yeah my dad just never went to the U.S. or yeah what if he had gone to the U.S. got his education just came back you yeah know and 
we just stayed in Korea the whole time, like how different would my life and my family have been? Our relationship and dynamics, like so much of it, I think would have changed. It would have been a completely alternate reality to live through. I agree. Yeah. I think the biggest part for me where I do have like some resentment for (laughs) my family, you know, leaving Mm -hmm. our motherland and going to the U.S. And I know that Mm -hmm. was a brave, courageous move on their part. Mm -hmm. But a part of me is also like, man, by making that transition, Mm -hmm. you also sacrificed like the connection we could have had between Mm. parents and kids. Like I, and you know, this is kind of going into languages a little bit, but I speak Korean and Mm -hmm. when I speak Korean, I sound like a five-year-old when I talk. (laughs) I I can understand maybe 80% of what's being spoken to me. Like if I'm in a conversation with a native Korean, Mm -hmm. but when I talk with my parents, it always just sounds so very simple Mm. and I feel like I can't express my thoughts fully to them. Mm -hmm, That was mm -hmm. always such a point of frustration for me back then and even now. Yeah. Yeah, it is rough. (laughs) (sighs) That's so true. And I feel like a lot of immigrant children can totally relate. Mm -hmm. There's definitely like a breakdown in communication. And for my family, similar. So we came to the States with just our mom. My dad didn't come. Yeah. So then I, my thing that haunts me is like, was it worth like kind of splitting the family? Right. Yeah. That's also such a huge decision. And actually I do think that is pretty common. It's very common. A lot of um, immigrant families from the nineties. It is. One of my best friends also um, grew up in a similar situation where her, they were, you know, from Hong Kong Mm-hmm. And the dad stayed back in Hong Kong, but then mm-hmm. the mom brought the kids over the kids. to yeah. raise them in Seattle. And I'm just like, that is such a crazy dynamic. I it's, mean, yeah, it's but it's very, it's like so common. It's, they, yeah. they live such sacrificial, they they live a, like, I think, feel like for our parents' generation, it's like a life of sacrifice. It really was. Everything yeah. was in service for yeah. someone else like even though it was their decision Mm -hmm. it's most likely because they were thinking of the future and how it would benefit their children yep and it's sometimes so hard to accept that (laughs) I don't know how like feel about it but for me I'm like okay I get it you came to the U.S. because you wanted a better life for me Mm -hmm. and more opportunity but also by doing that you stripped me away of having a deeper connection with my Korean heritage and also putting me through this like identity crisis for so much of my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely huge trade-offs. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the what ifs will like never really know. Yeah. Yeah, Such big what ifs. I know. Interestingly enough though, I don't know if this is the case for Korea, but for Taiwan, they're actually recently seeing a lot of like reverse immigration. So kids who have been raised, born, you know, educated in the States are now actually going back and moving back to Taiwan. Interesting. Yeah. There's like a movement that's sort of picking up 
Um, mm. which is really cool. And I've honestly thought about it a lot. If I would ever do that, I yeah. don't know it, that'd be a pretty big move, but I mean, have yeah. you thought about that? Well, I'm curious if you thought about it, like, you know, having a kid and yeah, yeah. Having your roots and your experience living and growing up in Taiwan. Yeah. Do you feel like that is a possibility or something that you have kind of dreamed of? So pre-kid, pre-marriage, I would say, yes, I would do it. Because mm-hmm. um, then I don't really have any ties or anything like really holding me down. Uh, but now that I do have a kid in the mix, okay, and then we'll probably, we should probably talk about this, but also marrying out of yes. your culture. Right. Um, that also is a factor because I don't want to subject my non-Taiwanese husband to, you know, all my Taiwanese things. Like, obviously, you know, I want him to enjoy it and like learn about it, but I'm not going to be like fully immerse yourself in this culture and then be like, can you move across the, you know, the world with me? Oh and I think it'd be so hard, right? You're such a good understanding partner because I am in the complete other <laughs> where I'm like I'm like Stuart we're moving to Korea and you are gonna grow up like <laughs> you're gonna be K-pop culture. star yeah you gotta learn the language yeah uh well I mean that's also fun too though you get to experience it together mm-hmm. but so wait you guys would move to Korea oh I 100% want to move back to Korea okay Someday. I don't know yeah. when it will happen definitely yeah. want to retire there Oh, so Uh, much like, like the lifestyle will be so much easier. Yes. And and I don't know about Taiwan, but for uh, Korea, if you are of like Korean descent uh, Uh with the US or some other type of citizenship, Uh and you go back to Korea, I think at the age, I don't know what it is, it might be 63, 60, Uh you can get dual citizenship. Uh, Uh. Don't quote me on that. But I think that's what it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's like a retirement, like, um, uh, I don't know, approval process, I guess. Okay, so you could get dual citizenship and then yeah. you can retire in Korea. Yeah. yeah. He, well, what about Stu, though? Would he? How would he? He yeah, would. So have, he oh, would, just by your spouse? Yeah, he would qualify because he's married to me. Okay, I yeah. see. Yeah. Dude, it's a dream. Yeah, you don't have to drive. Mm-hmm. There's no like 7-Elevens everywhere. You can go oh, shopping. I love the convenience stores. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're doing it right. They figured they out really the tax code on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I wouldn't mind doing that either, but who knows when. Mm-hmm. All right. Real quick, kind of circling back to the language uh, topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier I'm curious do you speak any other I mean I already know but do you speak any <laughs> other languages other than English and um yeah how does that uh kind of tie in with the dynamic you have with your parents mm, good question so I do speak two additional languages I speak mm-hmm. Mandarin and I speak like a local dialect Taiwan like uh, we call it Taiwanese mm-hmm. um I'm not very good at either i'm i'm better in mandarin because it's more popularly spoken taiwanese is actually sadly like a dying a dying dialect oh. i know and it's the why it's dying really quickly is because like you can't really i guess there's no like you can teach like mandarin but taiwanese is like a local dialect that's been like trans what's the word that's been like hand like not handed down but like 
uh, like transferred down through yeah. the generations just by word. And mm-hmm. so very little books have been written on it. Very, like maybe you can take some classes here and there, but it's not like a widely spoken language. And so with our grandparents' generation, it's sort of dying off. That is really heartbreaking. I know. So, and I, I'm not even very good at it. My mom, my parents are really good at it. They mm-hmm. speak it with my grandparents and they speak it with us sometimes. So I definitely kind of like you understand a lot more than I can speak. Mm. Um, but by, by Poppy's generation, I mean, I, she's definitely not really going to know how to speak Taiwanese. Maybe Mandarin, if we can try to speak it with her, but um, yeah, definitely a communication barrier sometimes. Yeah. I think it's like a, there are def- there's like misunderstandings mm-hmm. You can't really express your thoughts adequately. Um, there's always, yeah, there's always a little bit of a of a communication barrier there. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's a tough hurdle to overcome uh, again and it again. Yeah. yeah, pretty much any time you communicate with your parents, it's yeah, it's just something that you have yeah. to deal with. Um, I'm yeah. curious because you do have a baby. Uh, mm. how important is it for you to, I guess, like pass down some of those, the language and like, just kind of your cultural upbringing from Taiwan, like to Poppy? Yeah. Mm, that's a great question. Um, I would like to pass down the language to her if I could. I mean, realistically, I don't know how successful I will be because I just have a very like, work I mine's I'm not super proficient at it so who knows and I think when she goes to school it's primarily going to be English and mm-hmm. so I think that's just going to be her native tongue mm-hmm. but cultural traditions I think there are some that I would pass down but honestly my family was never huge on well we can get more into this when mm-hmm. we share some of our family traditions but we weren't ever that big on um traditions there's like maybe a handful of them that m- hope maybe will pass down yeah yeah I don't, I don't know I'm, I'm not very good at it I think I should be better but I know now also there's a lot more there's like a spotlight on highlighting Asian authors who write stories about these types of traditions Yay. so I think I'm gonna try to buy her those books so that she can learn through that way too right but um I don't know. I hope to at least try to take her back to both Taiwan and Korea so she can know her roots and hopefully she'll come to love it on her own. Uh, And Jenny's totally downplaying like her language skills. Like she's already a pop. I've heard Poppy, you know, she's she's learning those words. Babies picked up words so fast. They do. They're like sponges, but it doesn't stay though if you don't reinforce it. So that's Mm -hmm. the problem I have is like, it's just so much easier to communicate with her through English. Mm. Um, but, you know, I will say Robin, when he hears me say the Mandarin, he is also a sponge. And he's actually oh. very good at picking up some of the words. Yes, I've heard him. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's actually very impressive. I've been trying to learn my some of some Korean and my brain is porous. So <laughs> it's not it's not retaining right now. <laughs> just got to watch um, those Korean dramas. Listen to K-pop. I know. I know. Um, Okay, I don't know if you actually mentioned this when you were sharing your background. I don't think mm-hmm. you did. But who were your friends? Did you hang out with the other Asians? You know, oh. the other four of them? Or <laughs> right. 
I who actually, did you hang out with? I think I kind of grew up with a pretty good mix of friends. Uh, okay. Primarily white. Yeah. Okay. But there were definitely some Asian Americans mixed in. Uh, a friend from Singapore and you know Korean friends, Filipino mm-hmm. friends. But weirdly, I wasn't friends with any of the fobs. Um, oh, so they're, they were all Asian Americans. Yes, these were all Asian American friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you feel like there's a cultural disconnect with... So I think this actually kind of goes to the identity crisis thing I was talking about earlier. Oh, uh-huh. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I always just kind of felt embarrassed. Not embarrassed, but I tried to hide... I think a lot of my Koreanness as much as I could when I was mm. outside of the house. Cause like when I was at home, I loved mm. being Asian. Like I loved eating Asian food, watching mm-hmm. Korean dramas, like dancing to K-pop, you know, songs yeah. like, but then when I was at school, I felt like I tried really hard to hide parts of myself, that part of myself as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I tried to, you know, bleach my hair blonde. It, it, it was not successful. It was not cute. It ended up turning into this yellow. Really, yeah, it was like a gross, brassy orange color. Oh, no. <laughs> and I wore blue contact lenses for years. Oh, wow. And I would tell people, this is super embarrassing. I would tell people that I'm an eighth Russian and that oh. those blue eyes were like a recessive gene of mine. <laughs> so oh, my gosh. Did people believe that? There were actually a few people who did. Okay. Yeah. I was just okay. Like, okay, it's working. I'm gonna go. Oh, I'm wow. gonna run with this. See how, how long did you I pick, can go. How did you pick Russian? I have no idea. I okay. don't know. I was just like in yeah. middle school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Russian okay. word. Um, but yeah, so I I feel like because of me trying to assimilate to white American culture, yeah, I tried to avoid, yeah, like fobs. Um, mm. I felt like. It was a part, they were representing a part of me I did not want to show in public, mm-hmm. which was so messed up, you know? I know, but I, I think it's just so common because I sort of felt like that too when mm-hmm. I was at least younger when we first moved. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, the, I, I just felt so outsider when yeah. we first moved. Like the cultures were different, even like the backpacks. Yes. Did not get the Momo. Momo. Did the not Momo. get the memo. <laughs> the memo that everyone needed a Jansport. Oh my God. The Jansport, the pastel gap sweatshirts. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just so so it was just so different from what I was used to growing going to school in Taiwan. I remember coming to America with my super boxy. I don't know if you guys have, if you guys have seen like Asian backpacks or like these boxes with straps. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, like even just the little things, right? Like, cause when you're little, those things matter to you. Mm-hmm. And so like you, I was like, I just want to assimilate. I don't want to stand out. I don't think I tried to downplay my Asian. Well, maybe I did mm-hmm. like unconsciously or subconsciously, but, um, I just wanted to be just like every other kid and every yeah. other kid was like white. Yeah. Um, one memory that I have very distinct memory in elementary school was my mom used to pack us our lunches mm-hmm. and, you know, everyone be packing their turkey and, or their cheese and ham or their Lunchables or whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, PB and J. And I remember early on when we had just moved, my mom packed us these pork 
sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And they're actually really good. Oh yeah, They're I'm like, sure they were bomb. yeah, they were really good. They're like, uh, like pork cutlets and they had like the sauce. Mm-hmm. The only thing is they were so pungent, like so So obviously important. Asian smelling. Yes. Yes. And she put it in a brown paper bag, not, you know, not super sealed. Yep. And I remember every time I opened my backpack to get like a binder out or something, mm-hmm. it would just like permeate the whole room. And Yeah, I would just get a be whiff. like, yes. And as a kid, that stuff like, like haunts you, not Yes, haunts you, no, but but I like, know what you mean. It's like very much like a, oh, crap, like I, I'm exposed. yeah. You know, Yeah. everybody is looking at me right now. Yeah. And it's like, everyone's going to be like, what is that smell? Yeah. And so I just remember as a kid being like, oh, I just want, you know, a PB&J, which honestly now I'm like, freaking give me the pork sandwich. That tastes so much better than your stupid bologna sandwich. It took us a while to get there, but It yeah, did take as us a kids, while. Yeah. it was rough because I, I felt embarrassed whenever I had my friends over at my house growing up and they would, you know, they're like, oh, we're starving. Like, can we get a snack? And they'd open the fridge and they saw, you know, all sorts of food that they weren't familiar with. We had like Oh, so yeah. many things fermenting um, in the fridge. And like, as soon as you op- crack open the fridge, you, the, you just get hit with Oh, yeah. that like, kimchi smell. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. um, and so they'd also see, you know, all sorts of like pork bones and Yeah. things just kind of stewing in there. And of course they were making comments like, Ooh, what is this? Like, Yeah. um, and I remember feeling very embarrassed in those moments, but now I feel like Asian food is all the rage. Dude, I, okay, on behalf of the Koreans, I'm not Korean, but how do you feel about everyone just freaking taking kimchi and just like throwing it on everything and saying how kimchi has been around for a while? Okay, don't try to claim it right now. Yeah, I think the I I appreciate like the celebration of kimchi and of Korean food of Asian food in general um, Yeah. by other people, but uh, I think the part that gets me is when it's like someone who takes the I I don't know if you caught uh caught onto this whole uh like thing in the pandemic when Taigona coffee was really popular, Yes. and Okay. some I, I, woman I, I mean, think she was in Portland, uh-huh. white. like took the Taigona concept and called it whipped coffee and tried to sell it that way. And it, it was like, Oh, uh, uh, I'm not sitting down for this. <laughs> like Yeah. I'm about to like be a keyboard warrior here um, Uh, yeah. and go to town on her. And I did, I wrote reviews, even though I never ordered her stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm petty like that. So yeah. Um, but yeah. we're, I, I, I re really quick, like, I know you were talking about uh, feeling kind of like a an odd one out growing Mm up, hmm you know, wanting mm hmm to assimilate, wanting to give Yeah. kind of uh, my perspective on that one as well is uh, I felt like growing up in a predominantly white town and trying to assimilate to, you know, um, white and an American culture, I felt like it was really difficult because my name alone kind of immediately put me as an outsider in a lot of situations, whether it was in the classroom or like in a social setting. Um, it took me a very long time <laughs> to come to learn to like love my name for the longest time. I hated it and I wanted to be something like Monica 
or Alex. I, I legit like told my We're mom. Not a Monica. I do not look like a Monica, but I told my mom, I was like, I'm gonna change my name to Monica. She was like, Are you sure about that? And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Good thing you did it. I'm so glad I did it. I, it was yeah. at my senior year, actually. I gave a senior speech in high school mm-hmm. and it was actually all about my name. I the mm. whole message of the speech was to, you know, tell people like, hey, embrace the unique parts of yourself. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. it's what makes you you. Yeah. 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 But such a um, good name. Yeah. Curious. But yeah. Mm-hmm. When when did you start feeling like you came to embrace your Asian identity? Mm. So I think towards high school, I had more Asian friends. Mm-hmm. So I felt definitely a little bit more comfortable in my skin. And then I would say in college, ironically, and I went to a, actually a I want to say, actually, I don't know the demographics, but I I think it was a pretty white college too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my closest friends were all Asian. And so I felt like in college, I really embraced it. Mm -hmm. In college, I felt like I I loved college. I felt like I could be myself. I met some of my closest friends there and I got to join like, you know, different student associations that were based on your ethnicity Mm -hmm. and celebrated that. So I felt like, Oh, yeah. You were in like an Asian sorority, right? Oh, no. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You weren't were an ABG? No? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So far from it. Um, no, but I was part of like fellowship and then mm-hmm. I was sort of part of like the Taiwanese Student Association. But just a lot of people that I met who were also Taiwanese or also Asian, like seeing them mm-hmm. really embrace their culture, I think made me feel like I could too. And I, I could be proud of where I was from. Mm. And I want to say it was like definitely in my college years, maybe towards the end of high school. What about you? Oh, I'm the exact same. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't until end of high school and also in college that I really came to embrace my Asian identity. I actually ended up majoring in American ethnic studies, um, specifically in Asian American studies. Which oh I like to call it I I shouldn't I used to say it's like oh it's a bullshit major just because I'm trying to like <laughs> I'm just trying to like grab it here but no it actually yeah. was a very interesting um subject yeah. and yeah I think learning about the history of Americans mm-hmm. was very eye opening for me and yeah. it really changed my perspective on being Asian like we're such a resilient and diverse group of people um, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Also, you know, I also found my like family of friends like in college too. Yeah. Who are predominantly Asian, like, and mm-hmm. all kind of came from similar backgrounds, uh, whether it was like, you know, struggles with Asian identity or just struggle mm-hmm. at home with connecting with, you know, our parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that definitely that that connection definitely brought us yeah. together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're still like my closest friends to this day. Yeah. yeah. And you went to a very large university. Yes. I went to was it, uh, Go Dogs. Mm-hmm. Was it mostly, I feel like it's pretty diverse, the student population. I think. Or no. I think. I don't okay. know. I don't know. I, okay. I don't have the data on that. <laughs> okay. But or maybe. like yeah. it to me. Yeah. It seemed like it. Um, okay. On to the uglier side of mm-hmm. being 
Have you ever experienced any form of racism growing up? Have I? Let me tell you. Oh, no. We have a few hours now. <laughs> oh, no. I think, you know, we've all kind of experienced some degree of it. Yeah. Uh, my, you know, you have the usual, like, where are you from? No, where are you really from? Um, oh, yeah. You know, yep, yep. Like, oh, no, where are your yeah. parents from? <laughs> like, what are you trying to ask me? Just ask me what my yeah. identity is. Also, why is it yeah. important to you to know? Yeah. Um, like, what are you going to do with that information? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's like those kind of more uh, microaggressive, like racist comments, you know, yeah. across. Yeah. And I'm sure other people have too. And then there are a little bit more extreme ends of it too, where I remember uh, waiting for the bus to go back home after work. And this big giant drunk guy came up to me and um, started hitting on me and he was hitting on all the women of course um, and he, I told him like hey man step back like I need my space he yeah did not like that and so he immediately went to like cussing me out calling me all sorts of you know uh, mm-hmm. racist um, words yeah. and telling me to go back to China of course and Ugh. and he was chasing me up and down the block I was running at this point to yeah get away from him of course nobody was helping either oh my gosh and this guy was like six foot five he was huge yeah um and luckily i was able to get on a bus and the bus driver knew right away what was happening closed the bus door mm-hmm. the door right behind oh. me and drove yeah. off um jeez that was a really scary moment for me um yeah. where i did feel like oh my god this guy might actually hurt me uh mm-hmm. and like for you know, there's a lot of kind of different things happening here me being a woman but me also being like a woman of color uh mm-hmm. was i think a factor oh sure yeah yeah but what about you I'm sorry um first of all that's super freaking scary mm-hmm. um and i'm glad you are okay and thank you bus driver yeah. for like knowing um so i think i Fortunately, I know this is not the case for a lot of people. I never really got anything super crazy, uh, but kind of like your, you know, microaggressions, mm-hmm. the the stupid when your kids, they're like, oh, ching chong, ling long, yeah, you know, yes. those type statements. I'm like, okay. Now I look back at it and it just seems so like, like you're such a, you're a kid and I'm sorry, your life is so like narrow-minded that you can't see right you know, and at least like characters. if you're gonna say that just make it a little bit more creative you know I know yeah Some effort so I was I was never really like that offended by it mm-hmm. I just was, like rolled my eyes type of statement mm-hmm. um the slanted eyes yeah you know yep and then I don't know if this is racist but con- being constantly called Lucy Lou maybe <laughs> racist little I don't know who knows um those were like kind of the little things that I got. But if anything, I would say I've probably experienced more being a woman mm. than being uh, Asian, yes. which that's a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think those were like kind of the ones that I remembered. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, I know that that's actually a fairly – like overall pleasant experience and I know that's not the case for a lot of people Mm. and it definitely sucks yeah there's definitely I mean it gets even more extreme um yeah you look at like past like historical events that happened too and 
um we won't get into it because it can be pretty violent but yeah yeah, it's I think still important to remember that it still happens oh dude COVID oh my gosh yeah even on the rise yeah that was pretty nuts Um, that was nuts but uh I'm I think we're pivoting into the right place (sighs) Mm -hmm. as a society (laughs) at least I hope Uh, yeah yeah I mean I think what was the statistic by like 2050 i don't know again don't quote us on this but we are not we will no longer be the minority for asians yeah Yeah. i did see something about that Mm -hmm. so there you go Mm -hmm. um well let's end on a more positive note what are some like practices or traditions that you guys have any superstitious behavior that you follow still oh my god wait can i talk about the superstitious stuff <laughs> yes um, these are actually like very interesting to me. yeah the one that always kind of cracks me up is mm-hmm. have you heard of the fan death the, oh you can't turn on the fan yeah, when don't, you're sleeping. yeah don't turn on a fan as you're sleeping because you'll die <laughs> is that a korean thing i don't know if it's a korean thing or an asian thing but okay. my mom would not let me have the fan on in the summer yeah. when i'm like you know just yeah sweating. dying <laughs> <laughs> the bed is soaked from my sweat and <laughs> i'm like i can't have the fan on it's like no um Okay, so I, I wonder if it is a Korean thing because I was having this conversation with Robin about like any superstitions that his family had and he mentioned the fan thing. Oh and I was like, oh, I don't think that was one of ours because I, we definitely, <laughs> we would have died in California if we yeah. had on. Okay, that's very interesting. Okay, um, do you have any other superstitions? Okay, yeah, I do have one more. Um, okay. I don't know if this is actual superstition that's like common in Korean belief, but it's the one uh-huh. that my mom told me again. I don't know what the heck my mom was like on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was a kid when she told me this too. I used to do this thing where I would like shake, you know, like, like shake your leg, you know, when you're like, kind Oh, of- can't do that. Yeah. So I'd shake yeah. my leg a lot and she'd yeah. be like, don't do that. I'm like, why? She's like, if you keep doing that, an old grandpa is going to come through your window at night when you're sleeping with a hatchet oh and chop off your leg. I was like, oh my God. I'm the visual. Like, Mom, I'm like eight years old. <laughs> oh, that's very traumatic. Like, Why are you traumatizing me? Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, it worked because I stopped. Yeah. That. Yeah. You know what? Fear. Fear-based tactics. Yeah, you know, that is like the Asian, like our parents' that generation. Is. That's their form of love, I guess. Yeah. Okay, that's funny. So we were also not, we were also told not to shake our legs, oh, but okay. did not. Did not come with a grandpa coming in to chop them off. Oh, oh well, I, what did they say then? I don't, I can't remember well, now, but it, but like all your luck and wealth will like go away. away. I don't know. I think my mom just said, stop shaking your leg. It's bad manners. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You know, cl- classic, <laughs> classic mom. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have a couple. One is you can't have. When you buy a house or you move into a house, you can't have the stairs facing the doorway. Oh. So when you open the door, it cannot go straight <gasps> up into like a stairs. Wait, mine does. Why? Oh, what is girl, it mean? You, be- you better move. I'm just oh, kidding. Okay, what does it mean no, though? Okay. Oh my gosh. Again, do not quote me on this, but I think if I recall, it's like if you open the door – and it goes straight up the stairs. So t- usually the bedrooms are upstairs, right? Yeah. If it goes up the stairs, I think like bad spirits will just come in 
through the door every time it opens and goes straight to you. <gasps> and then like havoc on the house. I, I mean, I don't know what the heck they're doing, okay. but so that was that was I think the reason I was given. Yeah, and it freaking stuck with me. So now when I like look for a place to yeah. live, I'm like, as a stairway facing the door. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's one of them. I think the other it's one, so funny though, that these things that we learn yeah, from our parents like kids, it totally sticks with us. It does. <laughs> it's so like, it's, they were told to us during our formative years. Yeah. We were just so influ, influ, what's the word? Influenced. Influenced. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Another one is you cannot stick your chopsticks in your rice. Oh yeah. Like I straight up. Straight Koreans up. have the same thing. Okay. Tell me why I mean, it's bad. In Taiwanese culture. Okay, I don't know, but I think it's like, does it mean death? I don't know. Something about death. Yeah. I think in Korean culture, when we have like, uh, so when someone in your family passes away, we Mm -hmm. like set up this annual like dinner, I guess, um, for them where we have like a a whole spread of different foods. Yeah. And and we like, you know, have like a little prayer or something for them. Uh, And I think think it's only then when it's appropriate to have the chopsticks in the uh, rice. Again, don't quote me on this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that sounds right though. Something like that. So maybe that's yeah. why. Maybe it's something related to like death. Yeah. So just don't just don't stick them in your rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, but some positive traditions that we have mm-hmm. is uh for our birthdays, you have to eat three things. You have to eat noodles for a long life. Mm-hmm. You have to eat dyed eggs. Oh, like the the tea eggs? No, oh. like a like a. Those are really good though, uh-huh. by the way. But no, just like a dyed, like an Easter dyed egg. Ooh. Yeah, and my mom always does hers like red, and then you have to eat like pork braised pork feet or uh-huh. knuckles or something and. Yeah, you have to eat those three things. Wait, wait, what do what does the egg and the pork knuckle represent? Dude, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I was like I was like, I'm just gonna eat this egg and pork knuckle. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. All I know is noodles are long life. Got it. Got it. And, and you can't cut them because mm-hmm. that means like you're cutting your life. Oh. I mean, I always did because I, I could choke on the noodle yeah. and die. <laughs> yeah. Don't but, want uh, that to happen. Yeah. So that was one tradition that we still practice to this day okay we okay what about you yeah so for like new year lunar new year we mm-hmm. eat tteokguk which oh yeah is like these little rice cakes mm-hmm. and the, i think that's supposed to represent like money because they look like little coins oh really they like bring good fortune i think I okay that makes wrong. sense i could be wrong uh uh-huh. and then we also had the tradition of like bowing to your elders to, and then mm-hmm. they'll give you money. Mm-hmm. Oh, does it come in a red envelope? You know, in Korean culture, I don't know if it does. I always got, we always got ours in just like those regular white envelopes, you know? Okay. 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 Uh, yep. I just remember. It doesn't matter what it comes it in. It does not matter. Yeah. No, it's the inside that counts. <laughs> yeah. And as kids growing up, that was honestly like the best day of the year. We would like mm. collect all that money and run downstairs and just like count everything up. Oh <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did that too. So ours come in the red envelopes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're so pretty. I love the red envelopes. 
they actually got very they're like a form of art now yeah, they so really people are. will like design the covers i mean again like i said don't matter whatever you want to put it in uh so that's that's yeah that's one of our traditions anything else you do for lunar new year um i can't remember i think that's pretty much it okay yeah. i do love that rice cake soup i know it's Robin so makes good. It. it's really good it's very comforting um yeah we're way over time and I know, but, um, but this was a really fun conversation. I honestly, I can go on forever talking. I know, about the topic. Me too. Yeah. yeah, but we there's so much to unpack. There is, and we will unpack more. I promise. Um, yeah, in the next episode. Yes. Um, stay tuned. Please stay tuned. Yeah, we'll be back next week, uh, where we'll be continuing our conversation on you know being Asian American and our identities, um, mm-hmm. particularly in the workplace, as well as talking about Asian stereotypes, which mm, love very those. fun. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Alrighty. Alrighty. Bye. Bye.